0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710 710.
1: Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Wednesday, June 16th of 2021. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Things are really smooth. When it comes to the Seattle Seahawks, based off of everything that we saw and heard yesterday at mandatory minicamp, it's not as if things are perfect. You know, when you're on the water, there's always some rocking back and forth on the boat. I know these things because I have a boating permit now. I'm allowed to drive a boat. I haven't actually used it yet, but you know, the general premise of what I'm saying is basically what the Seahawks are going through right now, smooth sailing, which is pretty Impressive, considering we were talking about drama. Russell Wilson, John Schneider, Pete Carroll—could the end be coming? But then yesterday, during Pete Carroll's press conference, this not awkward at all, non-obtrusive moment took place.
0: What's up? Just letting everybody know we're still friends, you know. Hey, 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 hey! Just messing with me you. Go.
1: <laughs> Get out of here! You had your press conference. <laughs> so Russell Wilson in the middle of Pete Carroll's press conference, comes up to the podium, says all that. Then afterwards, John Schneider comes out of nowhere, puts the peace sign up, leading to one of the more hilarious pictures that I think we're ever going to see of the Seattle Seahawks. And a picture that, at times, yeah, has made me think over the last 24 hours about, you know, pictures we saw in World War II with, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Winston Churchill and Stalin. Now, I'm not comparing anybody necessarily to Stalin here. All I'm saying is this is an awkward, forced photograph that feels as if, all right, hey, look, everything's fine. Look at this picture. We're all smiling next to each other. But maybe that's actually the case. Jamal Adams, he was absent from Seahawks minicamp yesterday. That was something that was concerning to some, but it's a personal absence, and he has been excused from the entirety of mandatory minicamp. He's definitely looking for a new contract. Here's what Pete Carroll had to say about those contract talks. I don't know that I don't know that but I know that I mean, we're counting on him being back at camp and and uh, he's he wants to be at camp too and so we're you know we're going to do everything to make that happen. He was asked if the deal could be potentially done by training camp. Otherwise though when you heard Pete during the press conference he says that things are pretty amicable between both parties, which is something I was hoping for and something that I actually expected just based off of everything we've heard from Jamal Adams since he has joined the Seahawks. It seems like he really likes it here and whatever monetary desires he has I, I i just don't see things getting to the point of awkwardness we also saw yesterday that seahawks tackle dwayne brown is looking for a new contract pete carroll was asked about that yesterday too
0: we're helping dwayne get through a great off season he's doing terrific right now we're just going to keep cruising on through it and make sure that he's at his very best uh we're always talking about the business stuff so that's always something that's topical but because uh, he is in his last year coming up but um Everything's going great, and he's had a great off season so far. It's better than it was last
1: year. He's ahead of, ahead of schedule, so he's in good shape. Everything sounds gravy, and here I am finding myself sort of the same way that you might find yourself if you're watching any one of those heist movies. You know how you watch Ocean's Eleven; you have a pretty good idea of what's going, what what actually took place, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, you're like, "Wait, that happened!" And then they'll do this little montage. Accompanied by jaunty music of what actually took place. Of what actually took place as they were able to pull off the heist. I feel like the Seahawks just did that to us. I feel like this entire time, all of a sudden, now, with the way that they are portraying things, like, nothing has happened at all. And the skeptic in me is like, wait, no. No. No way. I did not is bliss. See, that harp noise in the background is, I think, the zone that we could find ourselves in afterwards, but that is a line from The Matrix said by Cypher. He says that ignorance is bliss. He would rather live in a simulation than know what the actual real world is, and that's where I am right now. I guess I wish that I was in The Matrix. I wish I had no knowledge or thoughts or takes on the potential friction that's between Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and Russell Wilson, those two parties and Russell Wilson specifically, the friction that might be taking place between the Seahawks and Jamal Adams or the friction that might be taking place between the Seahawks and Dwayne Brown. Honestly, I want to stick my head in the sand and feel like everything is okay. And honestly, with the way that they are portraying it, maybe it is. Maybe I should be operating that way. Maybe I should be thinking that way. So that's my question for today's show. Do you believe things in Seahawks land are as smooth sailing as they were portrayed yesterday? 710-710 710-710 7, 10, 7, 10 is how you text in your answer to that on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Galan says or call in at 1015. Your chance to be heard, 206-421-3776. We're going to talk to Brady Henderson at 1030 in the sports pit about everything that's taken place at Seahawks Mandatory Minicamp thus far. All right, guys. Let's shift over to the Seattle Mariners. who are in the midst of a three-game winning streak. After what was their best bullying night? That we have seen over the last two years. It's a shutout. It's a 10 nothing shutout. And from the very first pitch that they faced at the plate, it was a laugher. J.P. Crawford going distance on, going yard, going distance, going the distance, going yard with the first pitch that he got. Lead off batter, shortstop, J.P. Crawford leads things off. Here's the pitch and a swing and a drive deep to straightaway right field. Going and going, Krill off the right fielder looking up and goodbye baseball. JP Crawford with a leadoff home run here in the bottom of the first inning, giving the Mariners a very quick one to nothing lead, his fourth home run of the season, and on the very first pitch of the game from starter Jay Happ, the Mariners have a run in the bank. How about that? He has been unbelievable this month. I mean, the guy's batting four hundred this month. Four hundred. He's had four. Three hit games thus far. And that's the first Mariners player to hit a first pitch leadoff home run since, guess who? Dustin Ackley did on July 31st of 2012. We're really going way back for that. And there were other nice performances last night, too. Give credit to Chris Flexen, who actually went eight innings. Give credit to Ty France, who also had himself a three hit game and got hit by a pitch. He had a double, he had a home run. Bottom of the lineup, also making things happen. Jake Bowers doing pretty well himself. It was a great performance all around. But I'm looking at the top of the order. And I know that it's going to be really difficult, but we can rig a vote, right? We can rig an election. We can make a concerted effort to get J.P. Crawford into the all-star game, can't we? Now, he's got an uphill battle. I took a look at all the other shortstops in the American League that he's going to have to beat out. It won't be easy. Tim Anderson, who's hitting 311. Bo Bichette, who has 14 home runs. Xander Bogart, who's hitting 319 with 13 home runs. There's Carlos Correa. But then there's J.P. Crawford. He's basically, I would imagine, at least as far as the best shortstops in the American League, probably at about fifth. Is it possible? Could we rig the election with our massive audience right now? If you go to MLB.com slash all-star slash ballot, Do you think you could get J.P. Crawford in? I feel like we should make it happen. Because at the very least, let's just make, I don't know, a mockery of this all-star game and this baseball season, which has become, I think, really just an absolute mess.
2: We've we've done this in the past, Paul, with Gene Segura. We did. And it worked. Yeah. We had Send Segura t-shirts and everything.
1: Okay. Well, we need to make Send Crawford t-shirts, right?
2: I, I do think... Of, and Crawford's uh, more worth it, I think, than Segura was.
1: Yeah, he's he's actually having a really good year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and honestly, Mora, while Mitch Haniger, maybe, he's your lone representative just based off of his hot start to the year and the amount of home runs that he's hit, I mean, he got off to quite the start. By the way, Jared Kelly's actually on the ballot, if you really want to, in the American League, but I don't think you're, anyone's going to do that. But I feel like of all the guys on that Mariners lineup, the JP Crawford is the one most deserving. So I don't know, if you want to stuff the ballots a little bit, you have some free time on your hands, I think we should help out JP Crawford on that front. Seven ten, seven ten is how you text into the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You could tweet at Galant says as well in response to that first question that I have for you. Do you do you believe things in Seahawks land are as smooth sailing as they were described yesterday? A text, in today's way of negotiations, it's innovative of Pete and John to be receptive of holdouts as a player tool. It allows for a more respectful conversation. I think that's a great point, especially now that the CBA has been changed in a way where, you know, in years past, it wasn't necessarily guaranteed that a player would be fined for missing mandatory work, but now it is, and I think that this was the exact correct approach when it comes to Jamal Adams. Honestly, with Dwayne Brown, too, I'm surprised Dwayne Brown showed up, given that he wants a new contract. I think that maybe that has something to do with the fact that they're installing a new offense. That is surprising, though, that he wants a new deal, and he's there, that he's out there, because you would think that, okay, well, you've seen some catastrophic things happen on football fields. You know, knock on wood, you don't want anything to happen. But I'm surprised he's out there, and they're in a tricky spot with Dwayne Brown. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. But right now, guys, it is 10-10 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, the Paul Gallant Show, which you can hear on your 710 ESPN Seattle app or on your smart speaker. You can watch at 710sports.com slash video. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's 10-10. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Eating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning afternoon, Mora Dooley. How are you?
2: I'm good. You've got you've got my head my wheel spinning now. I'm thinking like we did Sen Segura before. Sensegora. So Segura. if we're doing alliteration, maybe like Campaign for Crawford. Campaign for Crawford. I like that.
1: I wish I was better with these things. <laughs> Campaign for Crawford is all we've got thus far. All
2: right. Send us your ideas. Please we need do. To get t-shirts made and everything like last time.
1: Yes. And we will take all of the profits for ourselves. I mean, we will share the profits with you.
2: Well, they've already got JP Crawford uh, pajama pants going around this season. Those are the, the hot items. Ooh, jammies? Yeah. There they- were some in the sports pit a few weeks ago. I know Kenan Middleton did his warm-ups in them. Yeah. Yeah
1: interesting jammies are really comfortable and I feel like a lot of people have gotten used to wearing them to work and yes. I also know that even though Danny O'Neill has shamed me for you know during the early days of the pandemic wearing pajamas from time to time on the show uh head coach of our beloved Cougs, Nick Rolovich he's cool with it he's cool with wearing jammies I feel like jammies we should make we should make jammies into acceptable to work uh, uh, acceptable acceptable pants to wear to work.
2: The first time I ever saw Richard Sherman was at a charity event on the waterfront um, his rookie season, and he showed up in full-on fuzzy pajama pants and top.
1: Ooh, fuzzy? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. A little late in the game to be doing fuzzy, though, isn't it? It was
2: kind of cold out that day. Oh. But, yeah. Okay.
1: I like <laughs> it. I like it.
2: All right. Uh, for what's trending, we have Rays pitcher Tyler Glasnow blaming his UCL injury on the uh, changes that MLB has Started to enforce for banned substances.
1: But I just threw 80-something, 70-whatever innings, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season. Everything out of the window. I have to start doing something completely new. And then I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Me throwing 100 and being 6'7 is why I got hurt, but that contributed. And so I'm, I'm just frustrated that, like, they don't understand how hard it is to pitch one, but to tell us to do something completely different in the middle of a season is insane. I just don't, it's it's ridiculous. There has to be some give and take here. You can't just take away everything and not add something. Pitchers need to be able to have some sort of control or some sort of grip on the ball. Take away everything so you have no grip on the ball, period. You are allowed to step off the mound, touch your hand to your mouth. I think you're supposed to theoretically wipe it off. But you can put a little bit of grip on your in your hand if you desperately need it so bad. Glass now sounds like just a spoiled, entitled diva. And look, most pitchers are. And I'll give him credit for the, I think, easiest thing to deflect blame from yourself that anyone can do in baseball today. It's to blame baseball. It's to blame the Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. It is to point... At the sport, as if the sport has done you wrong. Not everybody that has gone before you and you taking advantage of a loophole that was just forgotten about for a really long period of time. Man, oh, I got hurt because of this. I would like to see a PowerPoint, Mr. Glass, now of how we got from you not having grip on your hand to being six foot seven and throwing 100 miles per hour, which is the more likely reason for your injury? Would you even submarine your own argument in the midst of?
2: He tried to say, because it was actually a really long rant, he tried to say that ha- trying so much harder to grip the ball that like he was sore in muscles he didn't even know he had afterwards. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my poor buddy. Uh, text in, are Rosenbags not allowed anymore? Yeah, you know, I've, I feel like that was a giant part of every single pitcher going up to the mound. For the longest of times, right? He
2: said the only thing he was using was sunscreen and rosin. So, sounds like, they're n- unless it's just suns- the sunscreen part that's not allowed anymore, He's- he said he can't do that. So, sounds like it.
1: They're, just, they're never going to be able to stop this. So, honestly, I think that a lot of these players should probably keep yeah. doing it to the, just a lesser degree than what they were doing it before.
2: All right, in the NBA, Kevin Durant had an epic game last night, scoring 49 points and posting a triple-double in the Nets win over the Bucs. Today, some rough news, though. Chris Paul has entered COVID-19 health and safety protocols and is sidelined for an indefinite period of time. Um, And then also Kawhi Leonard, dealing with a knee injury, may miss the rest of the series between the Clippers and the Jazz.
1: I saw some more clarity on this that it might be a torn ACL for Kawhi Leonard, which is a massive bummer. Yeah, it's been a bad last 24 hours in basketball outside of what Durant did. Durant would be so much more appreciated had he never left Oklahoma City or had he just not joined the Golden State Warriors. Because there's been a lot of conversation over the last 10 hours or so. Maybe not 10, was it?
2: Yeah, uh, you
1: know, like 15, 18 hours or so about what Durant did. And look, oh, he's taking the torch from LeBron, blah, blah, blah. He's always been neck and neck with LeBron as far as being the best basketball player in the universe. The problem is he joined a super team and joined another super team. So did LeBron. Right, that's true. But this is akin to when LeBron, in game six of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals, just took over the game and did it by himself and finally showed, oh, wait, yeah, he's awesome. He's the reason this team is good, even though he had no help around him. This is akin to that for Kevin Durant. And it's different for Durant because I think with LeBron at first, there was this understanding, oh, well, he almost did it by himself. Where Durant had Russell Westbrook at first, even though I think you could argue that Westbrook was probably a big detriment to some of the things that Durant wanted to do. It is a shame for Durant's legacy that he never played by himself. And in last night's game, he was basically playing by himself. He could carry a team single-handedly on his back. Instead, he's on yet another super team. There's a part of me that hopes that we don't see Kyrie Irving or James Harden in the rest of the playoffs. Not the biggest fan of either of the two, but not because of their injuries or anything like that. I want to see Durant single-handedly bring the Nets to a championship. That would actually be cool, and I would root for that because I like Durant. I think he's honest and is who he is. I think a lot of basketball players, they try to be something they're not. That is LeBron James. That, everybody, is What's Trending brought to you by Kings Eating and Air with Maura Dooley every single morning at 1010-206-421-3776. That's how you call in. You can text into to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. We're going to talk to Brady Henderson about all things going on at Seahawks training camp in just a couple of minutes. What's the timeline on the Jamal Adams extension? Why isn't Dwayne Brown just holding out if he wants to get a new deal? But the question of the show, do you believe – Things in Seahawks land are as smooth sailing as they were described yesterday, or is ignorance bliss to you? You answer that now. It's time for you to be heard.
0: Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be
1: heard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Is Kevin Durant the best player on planet Earth today? Right now, I think he's the most well-rounded. Uh, thinking long and hard, I mean, who else are you going to throw up against him? You know, I know Nikola Jokic is the the MVP. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say that, and it's sort of an unfair problem for big men. If you're not great handling and doing all the things that Durant is, then you can't. You kind of can't put yourself in there. Arguments to put Giannis. In that conversation, were very premature. Very premature. I mean, the things that Durant can do... I, I know that it was a big deal a couple of days ago where Jay Williams said Durant had told him privately, don't ever put Giannis in the same conversation as him. Well, he, I mean, Durant was right to say that. <laughs> he was. Giannis can't shoot. And we're seeing that. Uh, text in, Paul, remember your audience. Durant would be better received if the Sonics never left. Well, duh. There is a part of me that wonders... Had that duo stayed here, how would things have gone? Would they have gone the same way that they ultimately ended up going in Oklahoma City? I mean, That was a weird, weird stretch for them. Because, I mean, they traded away one of their best players. They basically got nothing in return for him and James Harden. And yet they were still able to maintain a level of success for quite some time. Imagine that. Durant, Westbrook, and Harden here. I'm not going to lie. I would have had a hard time. I would have had a hard time with that. Even though that's a great team, and obviously I will take any basketball I possibly could get, I would have had a hard time watching Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I've probably talked a little bit too much basketball thus far on today's show. Text in, in response to today's question of the day, are things as smooth in Seahawks land as they were portrayed yesterday? A text, if the Seahawks are all in, we need to trade for Stephon Gilmore. I think that they should trade for Stephon Gilmore, whether they're all in or not. I I think that that cornerback position right now is a question mark. And if the conference has seen improvements with the Rams offense, you would imagine the Cardinals offense will get a little bit better this offseason. You'd think that the 49ers are just going to be better by default because of the fact that they should have less injuries this year, though you never know. That's a reason to. The offenses are all better. Is your defense better? I think your defense is sort of the same level as it was at the end of last season, which isn't a huge problem, but I think you're trying to squeeze a lot out of the sponge of a couple of defensive linemen who have had potential in the past, Alden Smith, Robert Camdiche, to see if they're going to add anything extra to a defensive line that's essentially Carlos Dunlap, maybe Kerry Hyder, and maybe Alton Robinson. I know. I know Benzemaio is there too. It's an interesting look. What they've got on that defensive line. 710, 710. Carroll has always been Pete Sunshine. How can we ever believe anything he says? Well, that's the thing. There, there's a part of me that wishes I just believed everything he said. There is a part of me that wishes I could say with a straight face, yeah, Russell Wilson that moment stepping in in between John Schneider and Pete Carroll. And I know there are some of you guys out there. You might be militant twelves. You might be the kind of people that think I'm a little bit too negative, where you're like, yeah, what Pete said is true. I want to believe that. I mean, the situation with Jamal Adams I don't think is a serious one at this point in time. I don't think the one with Dwayne Brown is a particularly serious one either, though it is a difficult question to answer. What do you do? What do you do? You don't really have much of a choice. I think you have to give him some sort of extension, and probably you have to give him an extension of whatever he wants. Two to three years or something like that, where two of the years are guaranteed, and you could probably get out of it afterwards. But he's going to turn thirty-six going into the year, and while he has been unbelievably durable to the point of, you're like, whoa, how are you this durable? Eventually, father time wins. I'm Paul Galan. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710-710, 7, 10, 7, 10, on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. If you have any questions about what's going on at Seahawks Mandatory Minicamp, Brady Henderson of ESPN will be able to answer them for you and for me. We'll talk about the Seahawks and Mandatory Minicamp next with Brady.
0: It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit.
2: In the pit where
0: all that stuff goes
1: down, and if you
0: don't have some freaking toughness, you're gonna get your, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. With all on
1: And joining me in the sports pit right now with Seahawks mandatory minicamp underway is the one and only Brady Henderson. Brady, what's going on, man? Hey,
0: Paul. How's it going? There's some sort of uh, noise going on outside, so hopefully you guys don't hear that. That's just the nature of uh, living where I live, so hopefully it's not too loud, but I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I like the ambience of that boating lifestyle. It's fantastic. (laughs) Okay, Uh, Brady, are are things as smooth right now with the Seahawks as they were portrayed yesterday with uh, a nice little picture that we have of Russell Wilson awkwardly jutting in to Carroll's press conference, John Schneider Coming out of nowhere. I mean, when it comes to the situation between the Seahawks and Russ, and then the situation they might find themselves now in with the Jamal Adams extension and with the Dwayne Brown extension, whatever the case. Yesterday, everything felt very sunshiny. Yeah, I, I thought that
0: w- that was a fun uh, little drop in by Wilson and, and John Schneider. And you know, I I don't think that that I think that's a reflection of where things are now. I don't think it's a reflection of where things were in February and March, and maybe even into early April. Uh, the, the tension there was definitely real. And, uh, you know, I, I know that the Seahawks kind of tried to downplay it when they first talked about it uh, before the draft. Wilson tried to do the same when he talked about it um, a week or so ago, whatever that was. And they're definitely in a better place now. And, and Wilson made the point that, you know, they that situation forced them to have some conversations that, uh, and that their relationship, meaning his relationship with Carroll and his relationship with Schneider, both grew out of that, and I believe that. But there there was definitely tension there earlier, and um, they're in a better place now. And, and as you alluded to in your question, and I think I've made this uh, point before on your show, and I'm sure you have as well, that I think this season is going to be important because I think that some of the issues that are all of the issues that uh, really led to this situation in the first place, I, I think that they could come back next season if things don't go according to plan.
1: No doubt about that. I'm curious to know what Jamal Adams is actually looking for, if he's looking to reset the market for safeties or if he's looking to be the highest paid defensive player on the Seahawks. And I know the last time we talked, we thought that, hey, look, he might have a legitimate claim to being perhaps more highly paid than Bobby Wagner. Whatever the case, where are things right now in these negotiations between the two?
0: Well, they from what I understand and, and from what Pete Carroll uh I think alluded to yesterday, they have had discussions. Uh, those discussions have been amicable, uh, but that not a lot of movement has been made towards an agreement. And, you know, Adams, I, I think it's, it's important to keep in mind that he, he's not there at Minicamp, but he, he is dealing with a um a family matter right now, something involving a relative and he is uh that is requiring him to be back home, I believe, or to be not here, and so he has an excused absence. Um, so at least this does not appear to be contract related. Um, uh, who knows, who knows if he would have been here, if he did not have the personal issue he was dealing with, but that's another story. Uh, it it does appear to be amicable and there, and there is from what I understand, uh, from what I'm told and from what Pete Carroll expressed yesterday, there is, um, still optimism in the organization that they'll get something done. And I I can't remember if I made this point last time I talked to you or not, but I think it's it's always helpful to look at how the agent has operated. And when you look at the last deal that uh, Jamal Adams agent, Kevin Connor did the last big deal, at least uh, it was the all pro it was Travis white, the all pro cornerback for the bills. That deal didn't get done until September uh, of last year. It was basically the mm. first week of the regular season. And I kind of wonder if maybe that was an MO on the agent's part to wait things out as long as possible, knowing that, by September, you know, at that point, you're the player is six months or whatever it is from free agency, and so maybe the team might be more inclined uh, to kind of panic and and maybe more inclined to give the player and the agent what they want. So um, I kind of wonder if if maybe that's going to be the play here, uh, and and if so, it's going to be an interesting summer, um, and we'll see how Adams handles that. You know, Carol said that they do expect him. Uh, to be there at camp, but when asked to follow up on that, he said that he, he's not sure if they're going to have something done by them.
1: That is interesting, and it'll be curious to see what what happens after that. I mean, if Tredavious White signed that contract as late as he did. Off the top of my head, I don't remember if Tredavious White decided to sit out of training camp. I don't know if you remember that uh, off the top of yours, Brady, but um, that is an interesting comparison to make. And I, I like it, thinking about the last deep, big deal that an agent made.
0: Yeah, and, and from what I understand, Tredavious White was there at camp. Um, and you, another factor in that, there may have been a factor is that Jalen Ramsey was up for an extension, I think, right around the same time. So ah. part of the play there may have been waiting, trying to wait that out, but I think everybody guy, right. always assumed that, that Ramsey was going to get paid more than White anyways. So, um, so who knows what the play was there, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I, it's also worth noting that, um, you know, Adams is coming off a couple surgeries and so mm-hmm. um even if he even if he did not have the personal issue going on you know Carol said that he he would probably be limited in mini camp right now anyway so that's just another kind of side note to the whole thing Yeah, he meant- uh, but he had those surgeries early enough in the off season to where I don't think they're going to impact his availability for training camp.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the finger injuries as well. Uh, the other question Uh, and Brady Henderson with me on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline in the Sports Pit on 710 ESPN Seattle. Dwayne Brown apparently wants a new contract, but he did show up for mandatory minicamp. I think the Seahawks are kind of in a spot where they have no choice but to give him what he wants because the route to finding another left tackle in this league is a very difficult one. And, of course, the Seahawks needed a owner of a football team to make some dumb comments to really, I think, get Dwayne Brown over the edge in Houston and eventually get his way out of town.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. And, um, you know, he's 35 years old, going to be 36 in uh, August. And, you know, hes I think he's at a point in his career where, you know, like a lot of players that age, where you're sort of in maintenance mode. And, and that was really the explanation from Carroll when, when Carroll was asked if if Brown not practicing yesterday uh, was because of the report was because he wants a new contract and Carol made it sound like it was it was more maintenance related um, that they're trying to ease Brown in and um you know so it it doesn't sound like I mean I know we're only judging this based on one day, but it it doesn't sound like uh, you know, the the fact that he's there it doesn't sound like it's gonna be a hold out situation with Brown and I think the question for the Seahawks is how much and for how long do you want to commit to, you know, a thirty five-year-old but yeah. tackle again is going to be 36 in august and so certainly he's still playing at a high level played in all 16 games last season uh and go back to the year before he had knee surgery i think late in the season and then remarkably came back so dwayne brown i think is a is if anybody can you know defy the odds of playing that position at a high level um you know at, at a advanced stage i think it's him and then like you said what are their other options
1: yeah one last question, Brady, before I let you go. and Could you put a percentage chance on the idea of the Seahawks making a trade for Stephon Gilmer? Because I would love to see that happen, but I imagine it is not the most likely of things to happen over the coming weeks.
0: Oh, boy, a percentage chance. I will uh, let, me, let me give you a ballpark, and then as I talk my way through it, I'll maybe I like it. it more narrowed down. I'm going to say under 20% right now. Um, I think it's more likely than Xavier and Howard from the Dolphins, just because, uh, you know, Howard is a younger player coming off, I think, a better season. And so you're probably talking about a lot more draft capital you'd have to give up. But in either case, you know, Gilmore's in this situation with the Patriots because he wants more money. There was that deal that they did last year where they, you know, moved up salary from 21 to 20. And as a result, he's only making $7 million this season. So if you're the Seahawks, do you want to give up a pick or picks for Gilmore? and have to pay him a little bit more money, and you're talking about a you know a 31-year-old player at this 30 or 31 years old. So um, the Cornerback is a big need for them. I, I would imagine they're going to do something there, but I think the chances of them trading for Stephon Gilmore
1: are 14%. I like that number. Very specific. <laughs> Brady Henderson, appreciate it, man. Must follow for anybody following Seahawks as they go through the offseason. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Brady Henderson at Brady Henderson on Twitter for those who do not know. 206-421-3776 to call in 710-710, the Mac and Jack Company text line on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Are things as smooth right now as the Seahawks are portraying them in minicamp? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more next. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710. how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also call in 206-421-3776. We'll get to some other thoughts from Seahawks' mandatory minicamp in just a moment, but let's answer some of your questions. A text, this goes back to something that we have been pushing for. Paul, what is it going to take to obtain Stephon Gilmore from the New England Patriots? I want to say it's going to just take a second. I want to say that. The more I think about it, though, the more I realize how many accommodations Bill Belichick has made for Stefan Gilmore. I mean, first off, just giving him that contract that he originally gave him. But second, I mean, look at the way that he handled Gilmore not showing up for the first day of Patriots mandatory minicamp. Oh, well, the weather is not so great. Like. Imagine Belichick making an excuse like that for anybody. This is the same guy who once sent home uh, Adelius Thomas for being eight minutes late to a team meeting during um, a northeastern cyclone, It's like which is this—maybe it wasn't a cyclone. It was some ridiculous northeastern storm. The guy probably had a really difficult time getting in there, and Thomas was a slacker based off of what he was paid, so maybe that's why Belichick didn't like him so much. But all of that to say, the Patriots really like Stephon Gilmore. Belichick really likes Stefan Gilmore. So maybe maybe a second-round pick is naive to assume that that's all it would take. But if that's it, if that is what it would take, I would do it. And I would do it for a one-year rental because I think he's worth it. I think he's that good as a player. He's 30 years old. He's a defensive player of the year from two years ago as a cornerback. And while he wasn't great last year and he's coming off of quad surgery, this is a guy that I look at as someone that would really help out a team that's, that's missing a corner. Well, that's some responses on that front. I wouldn't overpay for Gilmore. I like the idea of waiting for opportunity to knock, like the fifth-round pick for Gabe Jackson, the steal they got for Quandre Diggs, Carlos Dunlap, or low picks. You're right. That might not happen. It happened also with Quinton Dunbar last offseason, too. I mean, Dunbar was looking for a new contract from Washington, and I understand why, because he thought he had played his way into one. And remember, last offseason, I think he was ranked number two overall among all cornerbacks by PFF, so he was feeling himself. And if you're a guy who's basically been a wide receiver coming out of college and then you get swapped over to defensive back because of things that you did on special teams that maybe made the coaching staff think that you actually had an ability to play corner. I can understand why somebody would maybe get a little bit grumpy with Washington and Washington. Eventually they dealt him to Seattle and it just didn't work out here, which is a bummer. Uh, 7-10, 7-10 on that Mac checks back at Dexburg company tech slide. I asked people, Hey, how are you feeling when it comes to Pete Carroll and, John Schneider and Russell Wilson, this little picture that they had together, viral moment. Everything's smooth, hunky-dory, Jamal Adams, that contract. Things aren't going so horrible as they try to get together on one. Dwayne Brown, eh, he's not thrilled, but he's, he's out there at mandatory minicamp. Everything does look sunshiny. A text in response, do you believe things are as nice as they look? Paul writes a texter, I believe Pete like I believe in Bigfoot. It's possible, yes, however, not likely. Another person responded that to me with a um Jeff on Twitter at Galan says of Bill Hader shaking his head saying, No, no, I, I, I don't believe all is as smooth. Okay. I'm really curious about one player specifically. The more I think about it this morning on the Seahawks as we go into this year, and I mean he was their big free agent acquisition, but I really wonder what they're going to get out of Gerald Everett. If you've taken a look at Gerald Everett's statistics from years past, nothing special. 40 receptions, 400 yards basically each of the last two years, which isn't bad. That's, that's, That's pretty solid production, but three touchdowns. That's it. And I'm wondering, honestly, if he's better than Will Disley. Part of me thinks he's not, and just based off the fact that Russell Wilson's going to have a little bit more familiarity with him, and yeah, Shane Waldron might know how to use him better, given that Everett played tight end in that Rams offense over the last couple of seasons. I don't know what it is, but I, he just doesn't do it for me. It's not to say that I think he's a bad player or anything like that. I just remember whenever the Seahawks played the Rams, yeah, there would be a lot of damage done over the middle, whether it's Cooper Cup or Robert Woods or... Or Tyler Higby, and yeah, I think Gerald Everett had a pretty good game. I think it was that Thursday night football game against Seattle. I think it was, I think it was Gerald Everett that one where Russell Wilson had the ridiculous touchdown pass, and they went on the missed field goal. But for the most part, I, I feel like Everett's not going to give you more than what you were looking for out of Craig Olson last season. And I think that Disley's probably going to be your go-to guy as far as tight end this year. Russ trusts him. Russ trusts him in the red zone. The guy can block. It's not to say that it's a mistake to sign Gerald Everett, but maybe it's seven million dollars, especially after what you gave Greg Olson last year and the returns that you got. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's something that you could have said. You know what? We like Gerald Everett, but let's see what Colby Parkinson can grow into. And I know Pete Carroll was talking up Colby Parkinson uh, yesterday. He's talking up a lot of guys, though. Of course. Text in seven ten seven ten with Dwayne Brown. What type of contract does Brown deserve if he's resigned? Because he's a true professional. He's showing up. The guy is tough. I I don't think it's going to be the end of the world to give him some contract that gives him two more years of some sort of guaranteed money. So you'd give him like a three-year extension, but it's basically a two-year extension. Here's the thing, too. I mean, you need him next year. You do not have an alternative to get a left tackle that is on his caliber next offseason. You just don't. Like, you're hoping Stone Forsythe develops, and he's a sixth-round pick, into a plus left tackle, top 15 left tackle, top 10 left tackle in the NFL. It's hard to find guys like that. It's hard to find guys who are as tough as Brown, who's plays through injuries, but also who's just an absolute road grader as a blocker, too. So, that's one of those guys that I really hope the Seahawks give him what he wants. I, I, I do, and I know it's not exactly the smartest idea, but you're... You're sort of in the spot where you don't have much of a choice. Anywho, this concludes the Paul Gallant Show. I am very thankful for everyone who tuned in today. To Brady Henderson who stopped by in the sports Pit. You missed anything of the Paul Gallant Show. Check out the podcast. Maura Dooley who makes this show happen every single day. I'm going to be out for a couple of days. i got a wedding to go to down in Houston, Texas. I will be back next Tuesday. But you will be in very good hands not only on this show but on Danny and Gallant. And don't forget Pete Carroll tomorrow, 930 up next, it is the Jake and Stacy radio program. So long, farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful hump day.